Good to have you here tonight. We welcome our visitors. Glad that they're present and uh, a couple of Dan's sisters are still here and we appreciate that they're with us this evening. We started the study in Psalm 15 this morning. Just thought we would go ahead and finish that uh, tonight as we uh, spent time uh, this morning talking about the positively stated uh, descriptions of the person who dwells with God. He said, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? That is, who who will dwell uh, in your tents? That is, who will who will have a, a, a place in your presence uh, and the provisions, uh, care, uh, and blessings that come from being with God? Uh, we shared some some thoughts from the business world about integrity, and and they they you know very common uh, common sense ideas of integrity, but they seem to be lost a lot of times. Uh, in a world that's, that's full of sin, taking responsibility for our own actions uh, as a mark of integrity, uh, putting others' needs before one's own, offering to help others in need, giving others the benefit of the doubt in circumstances, uh, choosing honesty in all things. These are just some simple things that if we'll apply those, then, then we'll, we'll be people of integrity, showing respect to everyone, Manifesting humility, being able to admit we're wrong, uh, showing consistent reliability, regular reliability, and conveying true kindness. Uh, this was one fellow who, who saw those things as important, and God's Word in the 15th Psalm, as we studied, uh, speaks to the righteous person in God's sight, uh, that uh, we're to walk upright, we're to work righteousness, we are to speak truth. From our hearts, uh, we're to despise evil and honor reverence, honor that which honors God, and we're to keep our word even when uh, it's hurtful to do that. Uh, that these are among the attributes that uh, God recognizes, God sees, and that God rewards with His presence now and eternally. And of course, we're describing those who are the people of God. And find people that are, have integrity who are, and honesty who are not Christians, but we're talking about uh, being righteous before God. Righteousness is, uh, is our faith is counted to us for righteousness, the book of Romans says. And so we have to be people of faith, trusting and obeying the Lord's gospel, putting our reliance upon Him. And these principles stated here find, find their application. Uh, even the New Testament Christians, as we are to come out and be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Uh, we are to perfect holiness and the fear of God, uh, and many like things that, uh, that, that tell us to pursue righteousness, to work righteousness, to walk uprightly in the wisdom and truth that's found in Jesus Christ. Uh, to be people of integrity, honesty, of character, uh, that, uh, that uh, defines uh, and shows us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world uh, when so much around us is very dark uh, and very uh, very sickening, uh, frankly, when it comes to uh, these ideas, uh, of uh, these attributes of integrity and honesty. We'll look at the psalm again now in terms of things that are negatively stated. Um, in verse 3 and in verse 5, you see how he, he exchanges verse 2, he, he speaks from a, do this, in verse 3, he doesn't do that. 
verse 4, he does this. And verse 5, he doesn't do that. So we've talked about things to do. Now let's talk about things uh, not to do. So I guess we're going to do some negative preaching tonight. We did the positive preaching this morning, right? So, 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 so the Word of God sets it out that way in this particular passage. And verse 3 says, the person who dwells in God's holy hill does not backbite. It says, um, it says in verse 3, he does not backbite with his tongue. He, here's a person who understands and knows that what comes out of his mouth uh, reveals what is in his heart. And if he is going to love his neighbor with, uh, as, his, as himself, indeed, he's going to love God, then, then uh, he's going to control his tongue and not be a backbiter. Uh, the, the word backbite carries the idea of slander with it. In Romans 1 and verse 30, backbiting was one of the descriptions of the Gentiles who, who refused to have God in their knowledge. You know, people, when people refuse God, refuse truth and righteousness and holiness, uh, then it's, it's every man for himself, every person for himself, and, and uh, uh, backbiting uh, is, and slander is one way people get ahead over their neighbor and ahead of their neighbor and and, and as they see it, a benefit in some way for themselves. Well, of course, that's not the person who's going to dwell with God, but it is the reality that in this present age, backbiting uh, is a sin and a temptation uh, that we have to guard against. In 2 Corinthians 12, this, it's clear that this sin is not confined to people who are not Christians. Because there in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 19, the apostle writing to the Corinthian Christians said again, do you think that we, uh, that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. He, says, he said, we're not trying to take advantage of you and, and the things that we've said and, and our teaching and saying we would come and not able to come and, and, and we still want to come and we've sent Titus to you. All of the, We're not trying to take advantage of you. He said, we are, we are we gladly spend and are spent on behalf of your souls. But he says it so you can be edified, so you can be strengthened. For I fear lest when I come, I shall find you such as I wish, not such as I wish, and that you shall, or I shall find you. Know, let's start that over. That's just wrong. Let's just start with verse 20 again. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. In other words, I don't want to have to come to you with the authority of sharpness, chapter 13, 10. I don't want to have to come to you and spank you. Really what he's saying. I want to, have, I want to be able to come uh, in a very different way but, because you're not going to like it if I have to come like that because I'm going to find you in a spiritual state that I don't want to find you in. So look what he says. He says, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before now and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness 
which they have practiced. There's a whole litany of, of sins there. While we, we saw that in some respects the, the brethren there had, had repented of some things, there were others who had refused to do it. And backbiting, slandering one another, um, was one of those sins that was still going on. Peter used the word in 1 Peter 2, 1, and it's translated, uh, the, the noun form is translated evil speaking. Evil speaking, backbiting, talking about people behind their back. Of course, that's, the, that's a cowardly thing. Uh, it's an unproductive thing. It's a destructive thing. It's a sinful thing. And, and so uh, Psalm 15 says, understand if, if that's how we treat others, we will not be in the presence of God. We won't be in His presence now, and we won't be in His presence eternally. Uh, there's no spiritual blessing that derives from slandering someone. If, if, if you feel such a need, if I feel such a need to, to say something about someone, then let's talk to them about it. Let's don't be backbiters that, that uh, speak evil because that is so disruptive and it disrupts our fellowship with God and the blessings that, that He offers. And uh, it's, not, it's not being upright. It's not righteous. It's not being a person of integrity. The verse goes on to say, this person who dwells in God's, home, in God's presence uh, does not do evil to his neighbor. Backbite, nor does he do evil to his neighbor. Um, he, his, his motives are clear and pure in his treatment of, of others. He is like the Good Samaritan, whose interest is the well-being of, of, of even the stranger. Um, he lives the golden rule. Whatever you would that men should do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The Old Testament law didn't teach them to take advantage of their neighbor, to, to, to walk over their neighbor to get to where they want to go. Just the opposite. In fact, Proverbs 24 and 29, 24 and 29 of Proverbs says it this way, Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I'll render to the man according to his work. And that's a real temptation for us in the world in this world because that's kind of how the world lives world world uh, lives with a vengeful approach very very often a a, uh, a self-vindicating approach if he's going to treat me that way then i'm going to just give it right back to him in fact i'll give it to him double and, and, and he'll stop that well let's be very plain god says you do that and you're not dwelling with me. And you know what? And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God gives people according to their work. And there's your answer. Yeah, that's right. God does that, not you, not me. Amen. See, that's his point. He says, as much as in you lie, you be at peace with all men. You don't repay evil for evil. Reviling for reviling. But instead of blessing, Peter said, 1 Peter 3. And verse 10 said, don't, don't be like that. Don't, don't, be, don't do evil to your neighbor. He's, don't say, I'm going to give back to him the way he does to me. No, Jesus says you give to him 
what you want to have, what you want to receive. And Jesus lived that. And he shows that to us. And so, to, 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 uh, to, to pause and, and think about how I react is an important part of, of our righteousness. It's how do I respond to people, not to act and react. How do I act? I say, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm going to treat them nice because they treat me nice. But do I treat them nice when they're not treating me nice? Do I, do I, do, or do I lash back out, lash at them in some way, or cut them down to size? And I just, you know, let's just, let's realize he's, that doesn't please God. I mean, you know, I know, you know, we got, we got a Bible says on one hand you answer a fool according to his folly, and on the other hand don't answer a fool according to his folly. So we have to render some judgment. We have to make some judgment on when it, when we need to expose the fool for who he is, a fool, and and uh, and when we 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 say no, that's I'm not going to do that because it just make me foolish. But in all of that, we're not we're not going to render evil for evil. We're not going to we're not going to seek vengeance. We're not going to to uh, dish out. Uh, uh, hurt to somebody who hurts us. That's not the person who's going to dwell with God. And that seems to be his point here is, is don't do evil to your neighbor. Love does no harm. In fact, Romans 13 says love does no, does no harm to his neighbor. Uh, love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. So, so the one who would harm his neighbor is not the one loving his neighbor and is not the one dwelling with God. Pretty clear, pretty simple. Not, not anything too difficult about that, except in the doing, right? Because the temptation is something very awful at times that we, we have to see and we have to reject. The world gives into it. We have to rise above that and not be drawn into that kind of evil. Well, again in verse 3, he says, Now, the person who's going to dwell in my tent, God says, is the one who does not take up a reproach against his friend. And, and it seems to me that what he's, he's trying to get to here is here's somebody who does not spread damaging reports about uh, the other person against his friend or otherwise. He, he's, he, uh, he doesn't receive it and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't uh, acknowledge it and he doesn't spread it. In other words, really, he's, 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 he's somebody who's um, not going to be a gossip, not going to be a whisperer. He's going to give the benefit of the doubt uh, as often he's, as he's able to do. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Love does not take account of evil. Now, giving others the benefit of the doubt is not about ignoring the evidence of sin. But again, it kind of gets back to the point of, of it's not my place to meet out what I call justice against the person who's being unjust. The Bible says that we need patience in those kind of situations, not setting ourselves up uh, in some way to destroy one another in the process. Look at James 5 with me, verses 8 and 9. James, James says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
So, so here's one who doesn't take up a, uh, a report against his friend. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's, he's interested in evidence, not hearsay. He's interested in getting the facts and acting upon them. He's not a whisperer. He's not interested in trying to destroy somebody with what he knows. That's what whispering is. That's what gossip is. Yeah, gossip isn't building anybody up except the gossiper. When we listen to gossip, all we're doing is building up the gossiper to give them some, some air of legitimacy in spreading whispers about somebody else. God says the person that dwells with me doesn't do that. that that's, not, that's not his interest. That's not his desire. He doesn't want to tear down. He wants to build up. He wants to strengthen. Proverbs 20 and verse 19. Uh, Proverbs there has some application here. 20th chapter of Proverbs 19 says, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. But th this is the idea of whispering and talebearing um, that, that uh, again, is, is not conducive to the relationship of loving your neighbor as yourself, and the harmony in one's life with God that we want and that we need, without which we will lose our souls. Again, in Proverbs 26, verses 20 and 21. 26th proverb and 20 and 21 says, Where there's no wood, the fire goes out, and where there's no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal to a burning coals and wood the fire, so is contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. They go down into the inmost body. Um, talebearer, he's got juicy morsels, uh, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's sour uh, in, its, in, in, what it, in, in what it produces. Um, don't feed it. And the fire will go out. Feed it by listening to it, by taking it, by spreading it, and we become party uh, uh, to that to that sin. So if we're going to live with God. We're going to stay in His blessings. Then we need to remember. We need to think about how we uh, and, and what motives we speak. Concerning others. What we say and why we say it, when we say it, how we say it, all those things are important. Because the person who's who's uh, living with God, he's not going to take off up a, a false witness, he's not going to bear a false witness, he's not going to lie about his neighbor, he's not going to receive a reproach. Uh, he's going to look for the evidence, he's, and then if he finds it, he's going to talk to his friend. He's not going to spread it. He's not gonna. He's not going to to fan that kind of flame and destroy, rather than than strengthen and build. That's what we need to give ourselves to in those matters. He says next in verse five. He does not put out his money at usury. Usury. That's a word we we don't use very often. It's but it, it, it's a financial word. It it really is oppressive interest. Oppressive interest. Um, you, say, you say, I don't know what usury is. Uh, I don't know. You know what a credit card is? 
<laughs> that gets pretty close. <laughs> you know, 15, 20, 29% interest. <laughs> uh, exorbitant, oppressive interest. But, but there's something to learn a little bit beyond that here. And, and that is, you know the law of Moses prohibited the Israelite from charging his brother with interest. One just about oppressive. The law of Moses said, don't charge your brother with interest. In Exodus 22-25, the Word of God says, if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Now there's some insight into why he tells Israel, don't charge interest to your brother, to your poor, the poor brother who says, I need your help. I need some money right now. Um, and... and uh, he says, sure, I'll help you and I'll give you a loan and I'm going to charge you 15% interest on that compounded data. Now, how's that going to help the poor man? That's not being gracious. That's not being blessing. It's like, uh, well, you know, uh, some of our brethren are facing financial uh, concerns right now. Not getting a paycheck right now. Now, what would it, how would it do for one of us who said, well, I want to help you out. Let's, let, I'll bring some papers over and you sign this up and I'll loan you some money. And make money off of, of you for that. No, if you, got some, if you can help somebody and they need some money, then say, here it is. Pay me back when you're able. We'll set that Because I, I trust you and, I'm, and you're honest and I want, to, I want to help you. That's the difference. God expected that of Israel. You say, well, we're not under the law of Moses now. No, we're not. But you know what we are under? We're under love your neighbors yourself and do unto others as you'd have them do to you. We're taught to show mercy and, and, and not take advantage of others. It's exactly the point, I believe, that the psalm is teaching. Don't, don't, don't charge usury. Don't be oppressive uh, of others. Look at Leviticus uh, 25, 37. And 38, and uh, as it discusses this same basic subject, Vegas 25, 36 says, Take no usury or interest from him, but fear your God that your brother may live with you. You shall not lend him your money for usury, nor lend him your food at a profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Now he builds his case for that law and the fact that God has blessed you. God has brought you out of Egypt, out of oppression, and given you the fruitful land of Canaan. Now you don't oppress your brother in his time of need. You fear God. And, and so it's about... It's about compassion. It's about grace. It's about uh, a blessing rather than uh, uh, adding to uh, a hurt at the moment. A hurt for the moment. In Psalm 112, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 112, 4 and 5 says, 
unto the upright, there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Now, God's never told us to just be willy-nilly about the lending. He says the good man uh, is gracious and he uses discretion. He's prudent. But he lends not to benefit himself, but to help his brother who's in need. He's gracious and compassionate. That's the point, really, that's undergirding this prohibition of usury, is to show compassion uh, and, and grace and mercy. Uh, don't, uh, don't, don't benefit yourself on the back of your brother who needs your help. If you do that, you're not going to live again. God, God's not going to accept that in His holy hill. He doesn't accept it in His kingdom. Uh, and, and so, we want to keep ourselves from it. Next, He says, the man who, who dwells with him is the one who does not profit by harming the innocent. He says, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Clearly, that's that's uh, uh, a terrible thing to, uh, you know, to, to take money to hurt somebody. And we see that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Bribery to, to harm others and to advance oneself is, is particularly heinous to God. And, and, and you know, it, it's uh, just, if you look at, and this is not, this is not complete, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all talk about this as one of the sins in Jerusalem. One of the sins in Israel that, that for which God brought punishment upon them. In Isaiah 1 and 23, the first chapter there where, where Isaiah describes, or God through Isaiah describes the sins of, of His people. He says in verse 23, Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follows after rewards. They do not defend the fatherless, nor does the cause of the widow come before them. They're not interested in showing compassion and kindness and helping those who need help. No, they, they love the bride. Companion of thieves. Chapter 5 and verse 23 says, Who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man? How much will it take and I'll say what you want to hear. That's really what it is. And God pronounced His woes upon Jerusalem for those, those sins. Jehoiakim, one of their kings in Jeremiah 22 and verse 17, God pronounces His punishment upon him when He says, Yet your eyes and your heart are for nothing but your covetousness, for shedding blood, shedding innocent blood, and practicing oppression and violence. We talked about covetousness in our study this morning in class, and you see that this is exactly opposite of that. You see where covetousness drives people to, 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 to even take a bribe to harm the innocent because they're so wedded to that uh, that they're coveting for money, for advancement, uh, and, and so to shed innocent blood was, was what that king did, Jehoiakim. And his people followed right along, many of them. And then in Ezekiel 22, and verse 12, 
Ezekiel describes that, that uh, again, that this was one of the recurring sins in Jerusalem, in Judea. He says there in chapter 22 and 12, in you they take bribes to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbors by extortion and have forgotten me, me says the Lord God. So, so uh, that combines several of the thoughts we've looked at today. <clears throat> usury, covetousness, the bribery. God says that's advancing yourself to take to, to, to harm the innocent, to even kill the innocent, clearly is something that God is not going not to bless. He's not going to accept. The righteous. The one who dwells with God. Proverbs, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 15. Uh, the one who abides in his tabernacle is the one who maintains uprightness of heart and conduct. Psalm 5 and verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him with a shield. This is our faith. We know that God's going to bless us if we'll be righteous, even when the world around us is unrighteous. And, and sometimes we suffer at the hands of unrighteous people who, who, don't, who mistreat us and abuse and oppress and, and, and just are not, not kind, not loving, not, not like they ought to be, not people of integrity. We cannot be drawn into and dragged into that thinking with them and that conduct along with them. Because we know that God will bless us if we will maintain righteousness. That's how that psalm ends. He says, He who does these things shall never be moved. If we will practice these simple points of, uh, of righteousness, we will not be moved. God will set us on solid ground in His presence to protect us, to secure us, to save us. And so we give ourselves to walking uprightly and working at righteousness, to speaking truth from our heart, not backbiting, not doing evil to others, not spreading a reproach against a friend, not, uh, uh, but rather despising evil and honoring those who fear God. Keeping our word, even if it's to our own hurt and not changing it. Not oppressing people. Not, not taking a bribe against the innocent people. These are the things that, if I understand, they're going to make our call on election sure. Because you see in Peter, in 2 Peter, uh, the first chapter, verses 10 and 11, Peter talks to us about maturing our faith. Adding to your faith virtue, and your virtue knowledge, and your knowledge uh, self-control, and your self-control perseverance, and your perseverance Godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, then he says, they will not make you to be idle nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll grow. But if you lack these things, you're blind. You've, only, you've forgotten the cleansing from your sins. So, brethren, therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. These are simple things we've studied through today in the psalm. But they're important things. They're at the heart, they're at the root, at the heart and soul of being upright, of living with God. So he says, make your call and election sure. Do these things. And you'll never stumble, you see. You'll never be moved. 
For there will be an entrance supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make your call and election Be the upright person, the person who is righteous before God. In integrity of heart, integrity of life. Because we fear God. Because we want to live with Him now. And we want to be with Him forever. You know, the Bible says that we've been lifted up with Christ to, in Christ to sit with Him in heavenly places. Heavenly places. The holy hill. God's holy hill. God's presence. Brother, let's live with God. Let's make choices every day in our life that demonstrate that's where we dwell. That's where we live. And God's going to establish us. He's going to bless us. And He'll eventually take us home to glory. If you're not a Christian, if you're not living that life, then we urge you to obey the Gospel of Jesus. To repent of your sin against God and against your fellow man. And to confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized so the blood of Jesus will wash your sins away. And as Christians, brethren, let's, let's continue, continually examine our hearts and our lives and let us remove every... every every bit of sin that we find. Let us repent and confess our sin to God. Let us walk and live in a way that God will establish us in His presence now and forever. If we can help you do that and pray together with you about that, won't you come while together we stand and follow the same